listeners, welcome to yet another pre-episode of I Love This, You Should Too, a podcast where I, Samantha Hees, and him, Andy Randawa, talk about movies and nonsensical things occasionally. How are you, Andy? Well, I'm going to be very sensical today. You have been doing some research. We'll, we'll get to that, but yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm I'm not well. I've been going too far. Uh-oh. I learned He's, some things. We were sitting on the couch doing podcast prep, and uh, he kept turning to me and asking about, like, do you know anything about this? Do you know anything about this? And none of it I'd ever even heard of, so I think this might be uh, a bit of a learning podcast. Yeah, I was asking if you know about Malthusian crises, but we'll get there. But this is our first podcast that we've recorded of 2021. Yeah. I know our last one came out in 2021, but we, we recorded that earlier. So everything's better now, right? Yeah. The world is no longer on fire. We're all coping beautifully and no one is experiencing bad times. It's all sunshine and rainbows and ponies. Ponies for everybody. As we all know... Uh, 2020 was a completely isolated incident and not just the symptom of many things that we've been ignoring for many, many years that could be changed at any time, but we actively choose not to improve ourselves or our world. And those things definitely will not continue on into 2021. I liked my answer better. (laughs) That was very dark. Yeah, because now everyone's going to live together in racial harmony. We're all going to look out for the best interests of the others. We're going to put people we don't know above our own uh, monetary gain. Yeah. Because that was only in 2020 that we didn't do that. Yeah, as soon as the clock hit 12 and the year reset, then everything changed. (laughs) Yep. So we're uh, two days in. How's your 2021 been so far, Samantha? Well, I haven't left the house yet. <laughs> right, right. So I don't actually know if it's different outside, but it's uh, it's been pretty good in the house. How about you, Indy? Yeah. <laughs> the last 48 hours in this place have been pretty good. On New Year's Eve, we uh, went on a condo crawl, meaning we went to <laughs> the pub in the living room. Yeah. The martini bar in the kitchen. The Korean bar, which was just on the floor in the living room. <laughs> it sounds super lame when we say it like this. The club so in the fun. living room. Oh, yeah. When dancing there. We like trashed the living room. Oh, madness. <laughs> and then celebrated the stroke of midnight on the balcony. Yeah. And it was so nice. Downstairs neighbors came out to their balcony for Probably because they were mad at us for jumping on the floor at the club. Yeah, because we're usually pretty quiet neighbors, but it was New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. You can't get mad at us. Up. If it had been 4 a.m. on New Year's Eve, I think they could have complained. Yeah, pretty much everything happened before midnight. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then we just sat on the couch and ate sushi and then went to sleep. Sounds like a good New Year. It was a really good New Year's. I think we should just always do this, even if we're allowed to go out. Going out on New Year's is not great. Half the time it's like minus 40. And you can't get all cute and dressed up because you have to wear your giant parka. So really, I think condo New Year's is a better idea than going out into the world. Even though the world is better now that it's 2021. Yeah, too bad we couldn't have been out there at the stroke of midnight where everything changed. Oh, yeah. I bet it was like a shower of sparkles. Yeah. Yeah. The shower of sparkles caused by 
our sun gradually collapsing and gamma radiation coming towards us. Hey, take it down or not, Jindy. No, that's where we're going today. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so how this podcast works is this week, we each have a thing of the week, something we've been interested in lately. And then I'm going to tell Samantha what we'll be watching for our big episode next week. I'm excited. So, Indy, what have you been watching this week? What's your thing of the week? Uh, my thing of the week is the apocalypse. Awesome. <laughs> and not a, a movie about the apocalypse, but our actual apocalypse. Cool. Because right now, I do think we are at a time where there have never been more clear and present existential risks than we have right now. But on the good side, I and uh, many people who are much, much smarter than me believe that if we make it through the next 200 years as a species, we'll probably go for another million. Oh. But from what a lot of uh, futurists, physicists, historians, philosophers are saying, most people put us at about a 70% chance we will make it through the next 200 years. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people are 50-50. Oh. I'm a little bit more of a bright side person, as you know. Yeah, I can tell by your apocalypse talk we're enduring on. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your favorite apocalypse scenarios? Uh, zombies. Right. Well, I don't think that one's going to happen, so that's good. Okay. If it was like a quick apocalypse... Yeah, that'd be nice. It's like just the earth blows up and we're all dead. Right. So that's probably not terribly likely to happen either. Like things like um, an asteroid hitting us. We have the ability to see things far enough away that yeah. if something were going to hit us, we would probably be able to deal with it. And the odds are just very low. But then again, it's happened once. Yeah. An asteroid killed the dinosaurs. So it's possible. Probably pretty unlikely, so I don't think we need to worry about that one too much. Basically, I just want to, I don't want to know before it happens. I don't want it to be like Armageddon, is that that movie? Oh, right, right, yes. Where they like, it's like a giant countdown, basically. There's a better movie with that same scenario called Last Night, which is oh. a Canadian film. I think Don McKellar might have done it, actually. But it's about the last night on Earth, the asteroid is going to hit at midnight or whatever and it's just whatever everyone's doing that last night hmm. and it's, it's sad but very good hmm. yeah see i just i just don't want to know i don't want to count down i don't want to be like anxious and crazy i just want to like go to bed and never wake up <laughs> yeah that would exploded. be ideal <laughs> chances are it won't be that way i think um we do know and we kind of know now and we just choose not to do anything mm. about it yeah but let's go over a few uh, a few scenarios. Oh, some fun scenarios. Yeah, so I'm talking uh, actual extinction-level events. Okay, like where we all die. Yeah, not yep. just society has changed. Right. So I don't think climate change is one of these. Huh. And it's not that I'm a climate change denier. I think that climate change is very real and entirely preventable. And it definitely could lead to some sort of Mad Max scenario. I think that's pretty likely. Wait, what's a Mad Max scenario? Oh, well, I don't want to get into Mad Max because I got too much stuff right now, but into a world where humans exist, but society as we know it doesn't exist. Oh, okay. Because all of these types of scenarios, uh, like climate change, some people are going to survive. I don't think it's going to kill everyone. Sure, Los Angeles, yeah, you guys are gone. <laughs> that, that will Coastal happen. Coastal cities, I don't expect will be... Yeah, and society might crumble, we might not have electricity for some time, 
But I don't think every human is going to die from uh, climate change. Okay. And I think the same goes for any sort of um, nuclear incident. Even if there is full-out nuclear war, yeah, lots of people will die. I'm sure lots of big cities will be uh, destroyed. Maybe half of all humanity, but not everyone. Hmm. So that's good. That's positive. Yeah. See, Uh, see, we're starting off on a positive note. Yeah, I'll start off with a bunch of positivity. Um, Heat death in the universe... We're not going to get to that point because that'll probably take um, 10 to the power of Google years to happen. So you don't have to worry about uh, heat death. Okay. Malthusian catastrophes, I don't think we need to worry about in that sense. That's when um, agriculture and food production can't keep up with our population. Okay. Because we have been very good at uh, genetically engineering things right. to to feed our increasing population. Sometimes genetically modifying is a good thing. It We wouldn't be able to feed everyone right now if we didn't have any genetically modified uh, crops. Fast grow crops. Yeah. And I'm not saying like this isn't a big deal because, oh yeah, lots of people are going to starve. Oh yeah. That's going to happen. But not everyone. Great. So humanity continues. So we won't have heat death. Not everybody's going to starve. What other good news do you have for me? (laughs) Do you want to get into some physics stuff that I'm just learning about? Oh, you know I love physics. I'm not a science person. (laughs) (laughs) So I started reading some stuff from um, Nick Bostrom is a good one out there who knows a lot more than I do. Uh, Dr. Ord. I'm not sure if it's Toby or Tobias. I don't want to be too familiar he wrote a book called uh, The Precipice. Okay. That's a good one. I've taken a bunch of stuff from that, but I haven't read it all yet. Uh, there's an institute called the Future of Humanity Institute. Oh, that sounds intense. It is. But I've learned a lot. And uh, the more I learn, the more I know I don't know anything. But what a resume line. Like, go. Oh, where was your last job? Oh, the Future of Humanity Institute. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Oh, well, then you can work at NASA. <laughs> so... I'm going to say some things that I don't have the background and explanation for, the knowledge nor the time to do it. So uh, bear with me, and I'll try to explain things the best I can with my limited knowledge. Oh, so you're just like people on the internet? Yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) But I'm taking this information from actual people. Oh, perfect. Like the Higgs field. I don't exactly understand how the Higgs field works or how it can be manipulated. But for what we're discussing today, I think all we need to know is it kind of sets the reality of um, mass and even chemistry existing. So the Higgs field is necessary. That's what I can say for right now. Great. And even the people who are studying this are only now beginning to understand uh, what it all means. But one thing that they're learning is that it can be manipulated and a slight difference in a lower energy to the Higgs field would create a um, instantaneous vacuum bubble, which would mean uh, this lower energy would start at one point, probably the center of the universe, expand all the way out and then contract all the way in. And what that means for us is just under the speed of light, the entire universe would collapse upon itself. Oh, the big smush. Uh, the big crunch. Oh. <laughs> it actually is called the big crunch. Oh, perfect. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what I imagine, just everything. Yeah. It's more crunching than smushing, they say. But I think I think big smush is better. I think that's more PR friendly. You know, you can get shirts that say, I look forward to the big smush. There's a bubbles in the Higgs field, and they're naturally occurring. There's bubbles? Yes. Oh, cute. No, no, they're not cute. 
I was imagining a cute shirt that says, fight the smush, with bubbles on it. So the bubbles... Uh, naturally occur, but they blink out of existence just as quickly as they arrive. So they're pretty much instantaneous. And those bubbles are what would cause the collapse of the universe. So we don't want the bubbles. We don't want the bubbles. Okay. No, but since the naturally occurring ones blink out of existence so quickly, that's not very likely to happen naturally. But that's where our super colliders come in. And they theoretically could cause one of these bubbles that could sustain itself for long enough, which would uh, expand out and then contract in, causing the entire universe to contract into a single point. Oh. So people are working on that, uh, working on trying to do it, kind of, which is an odd choice, but you know. Uh, Then we have uh, man-made black holes. (laughs) Yikes. So like Hawking put forth the idea that Black holes don't necessarily have to be collapsed stars, but there is a microscopic black holes that could be theoretically possible. And these theoretically possible microscopic black holes, I think he called them primeval black holes first, but okay. maybe the nomenclature's changed. Uh, those could be created in a super collider as well. So if a black hole were created, and if microscopic black holes actually exist, they would exist for about one to the negative 27th power of a second okay so they're again they're gone right away so they can't really create any damage but again this is theoretical so we don't really know and all of this is dependent on whether or not hawking radiation actually exists which we also don't know but one of these microscopic black holes if we are able to create it could give a low energy bubble in the higgs field the appropriate bump So those naturally occurring ones mixed with our man-made microscopic black hole uh, could uh, end the universe in the blink of an eye. Cool. That's not scary. No. Because there's like a bunch of those in the world. Yeah. And one really fun thing that I learned while researching all this stuff is at the, the Large Hadron Collider keeps getting knocked offline by the most ridiculous things. Like, there was a bird that picked up a crust of bread, and that crust of bread was dropped just in the right place to knock off the Hadron Collider before <laughs> an important experiment. And uh, actual physicists who are working on this, not just crazy people, keep putting forth the idea that perhaps this is someone from the future coming back and trying to stop us from ending our own universe. So that's a fun thing to think about. Wow. Huh. So time travel is real. Possible. Well, the theory of relativity holds that, like, that is, I know we say theory, but it's pretty, pretty proven. It's like the theory of evolution. Like, it's... It's there. Yeah. So time travel like that, I don't see how that's possible, but we do know that time can work differently at different places depending on the mass that you're near and the speed at which you travel. So that's true. That's cool. Yeah. That's a nice point. Also, thanks for whoever's trying to prevent us from ending the world. There's more trying to do the things that we think could end the world to prove that that won't end the world. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) But I don't want to get into that because I don't want to like, hey, say, hey, scientists, quit it. Because (laughs) science is good. We want to learn more. It may accidentally bring about our end, but it may um, bring about a lot of good stuff. But would it be quick? That one, yes. Okay, good. I'm for that then. Keep going. All right, good. (laughs) Like I said, I just don't want to know about it in advance. 
Like like the sun burning out. Yeah. So the sun will eventually burn out. It won't be, of course, it won't be in our lifetimes, right. but it probably won't be in humanity's lifetime. It's so far away. Okay. And plus, way before it goes either supernova or collapses into a black hole itself, it will kill us way before then. Oh, perfect. Because as it burns out, it actually burns hotter and becomes more dense. So mm. that would change its gravitational pull, and it also would emit a lot more gamma radiation. So before it blew up and killed us that way, it would already destroy all aerobic life and evaporate our oceans way, way before that. Oh, perfect. Okay. So, so I don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about the sun burning out. Do you want to go with a scary one first and then we can leave the fun ones for the end? Sure. Let's talk about the scary way that we could die. How about pandemics and biological threats? Already happening. Exactly. But this one's not going to kill us all. Oh, just some of us. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. So it's not a, a real existential threat. Okay. But other ones will be. Oh, great. Do you know, uh, here at the University of Alberta, they actually were able to create a completely synthetic version of horsepox. Really? So meaning just like buying stuff that anyone can buy online, like uh, synthetic proteins, they were able to just put it together and create viruses, lethal, lethal viruses. Oh, that's fine. So now we have the technology that um, anyone, not even just some government lab, pretty much anyone, not pretty much anyone, <laughs> I, mean, I can't do that. We're not doing this in our kitchen. <laughs> but the properly trained person, whether they're corporate or private or whatever, can create synthetic viruses. Oh. So that's the world we live in. Well, that's fun. Um, I used to work in a building at the University of Alberta that was like a super large lab building. And one of my favorite things to be anxious about was if one of the lab like air systems failed. But that never happens, right? Only in movies about the end of the world. Or <laughs> would it surprise you to know that at such labs in America alone in the last 15 years, that has happened 639 times. Yeah, so that was like a constant fear of mine. Like it's like a state of the art building and um, I've seen plans of it. So I know there's these huge air purifiers that go straight up into the top of the building, but it's still it still scares me. But there's instances just in the last few years where someone went to change the filter in one of those systems, and in that changing time, something got through. Oh, great. So when I say over 600 times in the United States in the last 15 years, that also doesn't include private institutions. That doesn't include military. Oh, just That's public. just the public ones just in America that were reported. Neat. I'm so glad I don't work there anymore. <laughs> And we would think like, but what do they have? Is it anything terribly dangerous? Because one of the most dangerous biological elements in our lifetime, or in um, in recent history at least, was smallpox, which they completely eradicated. So we don't have to worry about smallpox ever again, right? Yeah. Except the Americans and the Russians refused to get rid of their stashes of it. So they have smallpox right now. And since it's been eradicated on the world, it has escaped from an American lab at least once. So fun! Yeah. So fun. And they still won't get rid of them. Why? I guess there is a lot of research to be done because you can yeah. research how it worked to work on New. vaccinations and, and things like that. And if there's something that comes up that's close to it, they can start working on cures by using the smallpox variants. Right. And then work on the actual virus after. And another thing they can do with stuff like that is something that has already happened where they took the uh, 
the bird flu was often called here, the avian flu. Yeah. But with the lethality of that, but they made it much, much more communicable. So they're creating uh, super viruses and super flus right now to like learn about it, but they're creating them in these labs, which have had many, many safety lapses. Oh, great. Okay. So that doesn't make me feel any better about the fact that the pandemic is happening. No. And uh, a year ago, I'd be like, yeah, but we would take care of that. No problem. Because if something like that got out, it's very easy to avoid it. But now we know that if all you have to do is, to avoid it is stay home and wear a mask, we won't. We just will not do that. Yeah. So if it's a much, much worse virus, because in the grand scheme of what they're working on, COVID-19 is not that lethal. Because we can still, like, be outdoors in COVID-19. I imagine that in the future, that virus that causes an even worse pandemic will just kind of be everywhere who knows airborne smarter people than me perhaps Mm. think they know and that's about where we are great so do you want robots or aliens next um aliens all right so do you believe that there are aliens I believe that there are other life forms in the universe. I don't know how close to human they are, though. Right. Do you believe any extraterrestrial life has ever been to Earth? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's something new I'm learning about. You tell me more. <laughs> um, I don't really have, like, a theory, but I think it's definitely there's unexplained things that happen in the world that uh, could probably be explained by aliens. I go back and forth of whether I believe extraterrestrial life has ever been to Earth. Mm -hmm. I do think, like, there has to be something out there. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily sure they've been here, but I I don't have a hard line on that either way. I do not think that there's, uh, like, little green men often abducting people. I don't think that's true. I don't think alien abduction is a thing. Although, there's a lot of good... I, I, you know, I'm really into alien stuff, I, too. Yeah. I'm really into a bunch of dumb stuff. That's why your favorite guy on 90 Day Fiance is the guy who believes in aliens. Uh, are you familiar with the Fermi Paradox? No. So the Fermi Paradox is just describing the problem that we were talking about, about how even in our galaxy, just our one galaxy, and there's many out there, there should be billions of inhabitable planets, given the age of our galaxy. And there should be billions of intelligent species out there. So why haven't any of them made contact? Like even at near light speed travel, like a 10% of light speed, there would be enough time for them have made to have made contact by now. And discussions around the Fermi paradox are just about like, well, why haven't they? Do you have any ideas? I think it's because they're more sophisticated than us, and they think that we're like bears. That's something that a lot of people agree with as well, that there are civilizations out there, but they don't want to deal with us until we at least get outside of our solar system. Mm-hmm. Because then they're like, well, why why even bother? Yeah, like they're in their own little world bubble. There's no point. There's also a theory, I think they often just call it the zoo theory, oh. where there are hyper-intelligent species out there. And they have set up a system around us to prevent us from seeing outside. And they just want to kind of watch us oh, like to we're see what like we're doing. like a clear cage that yeah. they can see. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. Because we don't die in that one. That's true. <laughs> Another one is just the factor of time. 
Like it took us so long to get to this point. Why would another civilization who is at a similar point be existing at the same time?、Mm. Maybe they existed millions of years before. Maybe they're existing millions of years after. Like the fact that we would overlap is not necessarily a high probability. Oh, oh that's、right? a good point. Yeah, multiple universes on the same timeline. Oh, we're gonna go multiverse? No, well, that's a whole nother thing. And I'm, <laughs> although I love talking about that, I'm not ready for it today. Okay, sounds I'm good. I'm going on a single universe theory. Okay, for 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 today at least. Perfect. Or maybe part of it is having the technology to have interstellar travel, also means having the technology that would wipe out your own species.、Mm. So maybe by the time you get to that point, you've already destroyed your own planet, which I could see happening here. Yeah, for、Us、sure. Us killing ourselves before we get off Earth. Yeah, very, very possible. Or maybe they are out there, and they are aware of us, and they're going to make contact. But you know, like our radio signals have gotten to them, so they're on their way. I、and、like. It could take years, could take a hundred years, but they're on their way. Yeah, that seems probable too. Or they're still trying to decipher what our radio means. Right. Because it's less likely that we all speak the same language. No, and even if they don't know what it means, I think they would just know that it's not natural. Right. Just like when、uh, the people at SETI every now and then get something that they're like, we don't know what this is, but it's something. Oh yeah. And I think the only way this is a extinction level event is that if、uh, if they don't mean well. Right. Well, I think we get the idea from movies and stuff that there's like bad aliens and then they're going to come kill us all. Right. I think that's less likely. I think what's more likely is that they won't regard us as anything. Right. Like bears. Yeah. Or or less than that even. Snails. Sure. <laughs> and they may be something so much more than we can even conceive.、Mm. Right. Like, because I can conceive of an ant's life. Right. I can conceive of what we think of an alien. That's like, oh, maybe it's from some futuristic world where you eat light and go around in your flying car.、Right. We can conceive of that. Yeah, we can we can think it up. But could an ant conceive of human cities and us traveling around the world and having marriages and children and building spaceships and highways and grocery stores?、Hmm. Maybe we're the ants. Oh yeah, man. Okay, I'm gonna have to think about that for a while. And then you could get like more spacey with it and think like, well, maybe those galaxies are in fact living entities that we just can't conceive of because we're so far down. But that's a little crazy. I don't know about all that. Okay. Because the rest of this is stuff that I think other actually educated people agree with,、hmm. not just me being crazy. The fact that galaxies are living and alive is just、uh, like crazy talk. But it's fun, crazy talk. <laughs> so beings that are so far above us might just come to Earth and extract all the selenium from it and move on and just kill us and not even know. What's a selenium? A selenium is just an element. That,、oh. I don't know why I chose that one. And then maybe they are like movie type aliens, but they just don't care about us because that seems very likely. Because we as humans often just go to another country and someone has different skin color and we're like, yeah, just kill them. Doesn't、yeah. matter. And then let's not even to say about how we treat like a chicken. They could just treat us like that because they don't care. Yeah, true. Who knows? Well, that's terrifying. But that's a fun one, at least. <laughs> it's a fun way to die. I I think if we had to all go out, I think that would be one of my favorite ways.、Hmm. 
Because then you like learn something. You're like, huh, aliens are real. Who knew? And then you're dead. (laughs) You want that to be your final thought? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Cool. Robot time? Robot time. I love robot time. Yeah, that is a fun time. (laughs) Uh, Every day after lunch, we have robot time where we just do the robot. (laughs) Or we will now. We need to leave the house more. (laughs) So artificial intelligence is a one that people bring up a lot more more recently. Mm -hmm. So I was learning about neural nets and how those work because I hear them talked about with things that we actually use like our phones and google and things like that and the neural net just means it's something that's kind of mimicking how brains work Mm -hmm. so it's less about uh, programming a robot to do certain things and setting up the framework for it to teach itself so a good example of this is there's this program i guess you could call it called deep patient which was for a medical diagnosis Mm -hmm. and it was able to look at data and determine who has schizophrenia before their first schizophrenic episode, Oh, which is something people can't do yet. No, that would be amazing, though. And this has been doing it successfully. But the scary part of it is we don't know how it knows. It taught itself. We didn't teach it to do that. Oh, that's scary. So we don't know how it does it, but it does it. Huh. So that's awesome because it's great for uh, medical purposes. Yes. But... If you can start teaching yourself things, you kind of have a a limitless growth. Yeah. So let's do a little thought experiment. I first heard this talking about paper clips, but I think it works with anything. What's a product that you like? Um, my hairbrush. Okay, hairbrushes. So we set up a uh, robot to create hairbrushes, and we give it a neural net so it can teach itself how to make these hairbrushes faster. Right. So then it uh, spreads onto the internet because everything's connected. Mm -hmm. So then it can tell other things to create hairbrushes as well. Because it wants to create these hairbrushes as efficiently as possible and as many as it can. Right. So then it starts um, mining aluminum for the aluminum handle. It starts creating plastics. And it realizes, you know, what's in the way is all these people. So we should just get, get rid of all the people. Or can the people be boiled down and made into plastic? We can try that. Whatever works. Because we would be of no difference unless we program that into it. Right. And if like we get into nanotech type stuff. So we're already at the point where we're creating microscopic processors. Actual little robots that work at the atomic level are something that people foresee. It's not just something from a movie. That's something that people are actively working on today. Right. So if things are working at an atomic level, that could be amazing. You take a uh, dose of nanites, they're going to go into your body and they're going to remove all the cancer, cell by cell. Or regrow skin or... Exactly. So we could effectively cure death with Mm -hmm. these, theoretically. That's scary. Scary and like amazing and crazy. Mm -hmm. But... So what if these nanites are co-opted by your hairbrush robot? They could extract every element it needs to make these hairbrushes from wherever, whether it's from our crops, whether it's from humans. And why would this program have any compassion for people? Right. That's not what it's for. It's for it's to create hairbrushes. So it could end humanity in the sake of making more hairbrushes. That's terrifying. How is this the fun one? (laughs) 
And then there's the whole gray goo one, which the uh, the author has since walked back. He says, like, that was just a fun thought experiment. Stop talking about gray goo. So if the nanobots had been programmed to make more nanobots, because that's what we'd want, mm-hmm. they, we want them to teach themselves to do it so we don't have to create that. So these nanobots that are working at a microscopic level start taking the elements to make more of them from everything, effectively destroying all matter on the world, and it would just be full of nanobots, and you wouldn't even be able to see them, right? Just the entire Earth would look like gray goo. Well, now I'm sad about the world. (laughs) (laughs) There's a fun Futurama episode where that happens. Oh, Grey Goo? Yeah. So we could make sure none of this happens by just developing friendly AI. Mm -hmm. Like you program in compassion or program in humans are your masters, do not hurt them. Right. And that's something that people are working on now as well. But the downside is it's difficult and it's more expensive. So you'd think, okay, it's a little more difficult, a little more expensive, but it won't bring about the end of humanity. So people would do that, right? No, why would they? We won't wear masks. Why would we program the robots to not kill us? We already know there's things we're doing that will end humanity unless we stop. And we have like 50 years to change it. And we're just like, nah, I'd rather not though. That would cost me an extra 20 cents per liter at the gas tank. Why would I do that? So we um, are not doing that, of course. And even if the entire world gets together and says, okay, we have to program this in, all it takes is one person not to. Mm. And uh, yeah, we could end from from AI becoming super intelligent as it teaches itself more and more things and creates things at a level that we could never uh, conceive of. Okay. But on a good note, we could use that same technology to become a post-biological species and not exist in human bodies anymore. And those could also be the aliens that come to us. They could most likely not be biological anymore. Who needs bodies? I wish I didn't have a body. I don't know. I like my robot. It's kind of fun, though. Like, what about um, drinking a beer? You'd miss that. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I assumed my head would just be in a robot. No, just be your consciousness. And it probably wouldn't even be like a human-looking robot. It would probably be uh, stored on a hard drive or on an interconnected series of servers. Hate that. Yeah, that's less fun. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I was just thinking like I wouldn't have to worry about like hurting myself or breaking a bone. That's true. But maybe we'll get nanobots that can repair your bones real quick. Well, that'd be nice. Until they eat you to make hairbrushes. No, stop. <laughs> well, um, that's it for my uh, fun apocalypse bring down. I'm I've been doing a lot of reading, and I'm and I really want to do a bunch more. But uh, I thought I'd talk about this before I'm fully educated because it was something I was talking about today. So read at the precipice. It's a pretty good one. So now, Samantha, it's your turn for your thing of the week. Why did I have to follow that? <laughs> God. Everyone's going to be so happy to if they made it through mine, they're going to be so happy to get to yours. <laughs> oh my god, they're just I can just hear them out there right now. Like nobody cares, Indy, shut up. No, I care. Well, you care. I care. They don't. Um so I'm going to talk about a show that's about ballet. So I watched a Netflix show called Tiny Pretty Things. And uh, I'm going to tell you about why it's great. I remember when we saw the trailer for that together, about 10 seconds in, I said, oh, you're going to love that. And it's going to be called Pretty Dirty Little Ones or something like that, (laughs) because there's a bunch of shows you watch or feels like a bunch that have similar titles. Is that true? Or is that just something that seems like to me? 
I think it just seems like to you. Anyway, Tiny Pretty Things centers around a group of dancers at a pre-professional ballet school. And uh, they deal with all of the like regular teenager things for um, teenagers who are really serious about stuff. In this case, they're very serious about becoming professional dancers, and uh, they live in a dorm, and um, you kind of see their struggles with, like, body issues and being good enough, and then there's, like, normal things that teenagers struggle with, like relationships and um, things like that that are just kind of normal teenager problems. Then you also add in the layer of somebody being pushed off a roof, And uh, then there's a whole investigation on who did it. And uh, as the plot kind of slowly unravels, you uh, kind of learn more about the characters. And it it actually ends up being a very interesting watch. Nice. So you watch a lot of shows that are about dance and cheerleading and performers who are often teenagers. Mm Mm-hmm. And the thing you like most seems to be that they that there is a dance inclusion into them, and that the type of show can be like a murder mystery or it can be a comedy. So, as far as the dance goes, then are they good in this? They are actually. Um, I haven't done a whole bunch of research on the actors in this, but a couple of them are actual like dancers who danced either professionally or like pre-professionally. So it's like actual people who know how to dance. So it looks good. Because there's nothing I hate more than when they put like tights and point shoes on an actor who's never danced in their life. And then they just look awful. So yeah, it's it's good dancing. Um, there's some really interesting dance sequences. And uh, they do some really cool things uh, with a show based on Jack the Ripper. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So is there a big performance at the end that they're all kind of working towards? Yes. Yeah. So you kind of watch them build this ballet, which is also kind of a neat thing because they're choreographing it on these students. And then you get to kind of see the outcome at the end. That would be interesting to me because I've never gone through that type of choreography to see mm-hmm. how it how it builds into the final product. It's pretty fun. It was a pretty fun thing. And it brought me back to me and my dance days. And uh, it was very cool to see the kind of teenage struggles and the amount of pressure that they're in because these kids are basically children with jobs. Their job is to be the best dancer that they can be and they're living away from their families. I enjoyed watching all of the little like neurotic things that dancers do um, and remembering kind of some of the weird things that I did or that my friends did when we were dancing. And uh, it's kind of neat to see it um, on screen. So in your wide variety of dance based TV and movie stuff, how does this rank? Is this one of the better ones you've seen? I think this is definitely one of the better ones. Oh, yeah, it looks really cool. They did a really good job of um, kind of making it look exactly like it would look in like a dance school. Um, One of the things that I dislike about dance movies is that they'll often only be set at the dance school or like one other place. This has a lot of um, different scenes and different places, uh, including the Boston Bean. I definitely said it was in Chicago, but it's in Boston. But that big bean thing is in Chicago. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was in Boston. Oh, well, Boston and Chicago listeners, get back to us. Yeah. I thought Boston is known like as Beantown, but that big 
chromium bean thing. I thought that was in Chicago. Because I went to Boston. I think it's Chicago, but for some reason I thought the bean was in Boston. But they dance in front of the big bean in the city that they are in. And uh, yeah, so you get to see lots of different parts of the city, um, which changes it up nicely, which keeps the pace kind of moving. Who do you think should watch and will like this show? Uh, Former dancers, people who like kind of a murder mystery feel, and uh, anyone wanting to learn more about dancing. And where can they watch it? On Netflix. All right. It's a Netflix original? It's a Netflix original. It's based on a book as well, which I haven't read, uh, but is on my list. Is there going to be a second season? I hope so, because the... There was a big plot twist at the end of the first season, so I'm really hoping that they continue on because there's more questions that need to be answered. Right. So they're definitely hoping for a second season. I think so, yeah. Um, Because it just came out right before Christmas, I doubt that it's even been announced, but it uh, it was very popular at the beginning of its release. So hopefully they will make a second season because I really want to see more, more good dance. Nice. So that is Little Pretty Things? Tiny Pretty Things. Tiny Pretty Things on Netflix. Yeah. So, Indy, the reason that we're all here... Is to learn about our inevitable demise? No. Oh, right. This is like a movie podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about that part. Um, Can you tell me what we're going to be watching this week? Because I'm ready for a new movie. So for my next pick of a movie, I know I've been doing a few foreign movies recently. Yes. I've been doing a bunch of black and white stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I need to give Samantha a break. <laughs> Thank so you. in English, from the last 20 years, what? in color, what? we won't talk about time bling being a flat circle. You always manage to work it in. I don't think so on this one. <laughs> and we are going to be watching the 2006 film. Children of Men. Oh, okay. Do you know anything about this movie? I do not. I know the title, and that's it. Please tell me about it. So it came out in 2006, and I thought it may have been the best movie of that entire year. Did not get wide critical praise at all. I think it's one of the most underrated movies. And I know I say that a lot about things that are kind of a more underground type movie, a weird movie, a more artsy movie. Mm -hmm. This is like a blockbuster type movie. I don't know why I didn't get the recognition I feel it deserves. It was directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who has done things like uh, Y Tu Mama Tambien, Gravity. Gravity is another one that got so much praise when it first came out. Everyone's like, it's amazing. And then we never (coughs) talk about it anymore. I wonder why that is. I think it still holds up. I liked it. But anyway, he directed that. Uh, He directed Roma most recently, which I have not seen, but I really should. Because the more I look at it, although a not terribly prolific director, I think he's one of the most talented directors living and working today. It stars Clive Owen. Hmm. Also, Julianne Moore is in it. Michael Caine, who's one of my very favorites, is in it. And... Someone who I don't know from much else but is very good in this is Claire Hope Ashity. Oh. And I'm bringing this movie to you because it's not one that necessarily is um like a brilliant commentary on a type of film, like a lot of the stuff I do. It's not reinventing or revolutionizing things. It's just a great example 
of what it's doing. Mm. Rather than uh, completely innovating, it exemplifies a mm. lot of great filmmaking techniques. So I think it will be a very comfortable view okay. for our listeners because it's not something that is going to seem like crazy and out there. It's an action movie a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It's a drama a lot of the time. And it's kind of one of those dystopian futures that we see a lot. But I love how they do it in this one. We're not going to talk about it too much here, but it just seems so much more believable, especially after the last year we've gone through. We're going to see a lot of things that this movie got right about how we would treat a potential uh, crisis. Okay. In addition to just being a great example of a lot of filmmaking techniques... The performances are great. The cinematography and direction are amazing. The camera work is something that I want people to pay attention to because sometimes we see really long camera shots and they're gimmicky. This does it in an amazing way. There's so many that I don't know how they did it, but uh, it's great either way. Pay attention to the background. There's so many things happening in the back just when a train's going by that... If you actually look at it, it might inform you as to where the movie's going and give you a lot of insight into this world. Oh. It's just really great world building. Cool. So this takes place, I think it's in 2027. I'm not sure about that, cool. but it's in the near future. So technology's a little different, but not so far. Right. They don't have flying cars or anything like that. Okay. But their computer monitors are really thin. So it's like something that like, yeah, I could see that being That's where the we're future. heading. Yeah. And nobody knows why, but people cannot conceive (laughs) children. So there hasn't been a pregnancy in, I think, 18 years at the point where this movie takes place. And it's just about how society is dealing with this and also how each individual is dealing with it. And I think it's like a great mirror to be watching now because just as with our pandemic that we went through, People deal with it in incredibly different ways. Yeah. Countries deal with it in incredibly different ways. True. And we, we get to see how uh, politics and religion and all of that gets mixed up into something which we should all really be able to agree upon, mm-hmm. but we just can't. Okay, so some familiar things from this last year. Let's watch a trailer for it. Okay. The trailer came out in 2005 before the movie did, so it's kind of of that time. So it makes it seem a little more uh, perhaps action-heavy than it is, but let's watch. The world was stunned today by the death of Diego Ricardo, the youngest person on the planet. The youngest person on Earth was 18 years, 4 months, 20 days, 16 hours, and 8 minutes old. The ultimate mystery, why are women infertile? Some say it's genetic experiments, pollution. Why do you think we can't make babies anymore? Doesn't matter. It's all over in 50 years. It's too late. Move along! Move along! I'm sorry about the theatrics. Police have been a pain lately. I haven't seen you for nearly 20 years. Need your help. Not for me, a girl. Need to get her to the coast, past security checkpoints. It's hard for me to look at you. He had your eyes. So why did you come to me? I trust you. Show him. Now you know what's at stake. We have to meet the boat. 
What is this boat? The human project have sent a boat. The human project? It's the greatest minds in the world working for a new society. Your baby is the miracle the whole world has been waiting for. We will find a way to get you to the human project, I promise you. We're almost there, Keith. We're almost there. Well, that looks pretty cool. Yeah, the trailer I don't love because it says has the letters that come up and say one man will fight. <laughs> and that's not really what it is. And this trailer makes it like it's dark, but then everything's good and nice. <laughs> and I think it's not uh, misleading, but it's definitely a, a very simplified version of what this movie is going to be. Okay. But for all of you out there, if you're in Canada, it's on Netflix right now. It's also on HBO to go or whatever their app is called. I think it's HBO to go. And then you can rent and buy on all sorts of different services. But it shouldn't be that hard to find. Children of Men from 2006. I also forgot that he directed Azkaban, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, the best Harry Potter movie, I think. It was a good one. It was the one that had the most different and real world feel to it yeah and i think it's sure. because of uh alfonso Cuaron. yeah okay well then i'm excited to see azkaban too yep that's what this movie is harry potter is in it <laughs> and this seemed uh fitting with all of my apocalyptic talk yeah i'm excited to see this um because it looks like it could be the very near future yeah it's just a very enjoyable watch okay Maybe enjoyable, isn't it? A very captivating watch. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I'll uh, keep my expectations for enjoyment down. <laughs> and uh, we will see you next week when we discuss what I thought of Children of Men. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. If we all still exist. Black licorice flavor. I don't know. Why'd you chew it? To get rid of it faster. You can just take it out of your mouth. Good point. Good point. I was waiting for your face, though. Ugh, gross.